You're listening to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America and become a successful resident or fellow in the speciality of your dreams. Dr. Alonso Osorio is board certified and residency trained in both emergency and family medicine and will be bringing you 20 years of his personal experiences, struggles and motivation. We'll be chatting with people like you to talk about the lessons they've learned along their personal path, how to make an impact and how we can all benefit from it. Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show. Hello, superstars, and welcome back to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Podcast. And this is your host, Dr. Alonso Osorio, soon to become and merge into the new website called osoriomd.com. And we have lots of good things coming up and lots of good people coming to our podcast. And we're all about collaboration. And today I have a phenomenal guest. His name is Abiram Chala. And Dr. Chala has a fantastic YouTube channel. And, you know, it's one of those things when you have a good content, good free material, free online medical education, I'm going to call it. These things, when you're looking on the internet, you just find that his name pops up everywhere. And he was one of my suggested searches because as I'm doing this process of enriching myself with the most current information about USMLE and ECFMG certification, it is important to get a hold of the people that really know how this works and specifically the new grads. And in my case, I've been practicing for 20 years. And when I took my test, you guys all know by now, we have very, very little resources. So Dr. Shala just graduated from medical school and he matched successfully and he has invested during this whole pandemic a lot of time in providing some amazing, good quality, high yield information on the web that is available on his YouTube channel. Dr. Shala, welcome to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Podcast. Everybody's super excited to hear about you because I know you put so much good stuff out there. Welcome. Hi, Alonzo. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to be here today. This is amazing. This is fantastic. And by the way, before we move forward, I really want to thank my people from Next Day Podcast that has been doing the editing and they're phenomenal. So if you guys go to nextdaypodcast.com, you're going to find them. James Bracho is the lead editor and he's fantastic. And he bears with me with all my mistakes and my language accents and the editing that we need to do, but we get it accomplished. So Dr. Shala, I'm going to introduce you. So he is a very humble guy. He is like, oh, Dr. Sir, I just graduated from medical school. I said, no, but you have done so much in your life. You're like top 99% of whoever wants to accomplish something in the world. You're like up there. You're like the top guy, you know? And I know that you were born and raised in New Jersey, United States. Yes. And taking advantage of your dual citizenship, you went to medical school in India. And exactly. you have phenomenal experiences. Since you pronounce it so beautifully, what's the name of your medical school? The name of my medical school is Jawaharlal Nehru Medical College in Belgaum. In Belgaum, India. Fantastic. Yes. And then uh, after you finished medical school, you obviously decided to come to the U.S. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. What's been like this process of going through college and then pursuing 
uh, medical education overseas as a United States citizen and getting your education in India, becoming an IMG, getting ECFNG certified and coming into the United States and being successful at it. That's what's the key. You're successful at it. So I moved to America when I was in seventh grade and I did my high school and my medical school in India. In India, you don't have a separate college and medical school. It's one combined five and a half year program and definitely different experience and quite challenging because I'm completely new to this entire system. And I think somewhere in my high school after moving to India, I found my passion in medical school after seeing so many underprivileged people on the roads without access to health care. And this actually drove me into this medical stream and whole medical profession. And I did my five and a half years of medical school in India. And normally, just like any other IMG, I spent one to two years after my medical school to finish study for my USMLEs, do my rotations, do some research. And now my I match into residency and I'm happy to say my residency starts in four days. Where are you going to go for, for residency training, doctor? So I got matched into internal medicine in Kansas University, Wichita. Congratulations to you. And I know that you have a special inclination for cardiology as of now. We don't know if things are going to change as you move along through your training, but I wish you the best. And please, I know it's warm right now in the Midwest, oh, yeah. but it's going to get really, really cold. <laughs> I know it's extreme bipolar weather. So Aviram, I'm going to yeah. call you an expert. And why? I would say an expert is the person that dedicates themselves to be educated about a topic, reads, becomes proficient at it, and then starts teaching it. And you have advice based on our preliminary conversation, somewhere in between 50 and 60 international medical graduates. And I would say, based on what I have learned from you on the internet, that you have developed your own personal method. There is many methods out there, I would say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the one that has worked for you is working for many people. Before we get into that, what was the passion or the thing that really sparked inside your heart to get this going and put some material for free? So being an IMG, there's not a lot of access to information on that's specific to us. So when I was starting to prepare for my USMLE, I had a lot of trouble because there wasn't much guidance that I was I had access to. So through intensive trial and error, I slowly found out a strategy that does help. And slowly the strategy have helped only two or three people and it seemed to work for them. And I try to help more and more people and it looks like this strategy has been working. So in this process, I found my passion to help people because, and this mainly stems from me not having the guidance myself. So I really like to see that other people are making the, taking the right steps and not making the mistakes that I made. So how many episodes have you produced so far? I see like six, seven episodes on, on your channel. So as of now, I've created six videos. I have another five videos that's already just ready to be sent out. And I have a lot of ideas. I've listed over 50 ideas and video ideas. And I want to keep doing this and try to help more and more people with the tiny details that's out there that can be explained. How you've been welcomed on the online community? What's been the acceptance of this message? Because my personal feeling is that... Uh, I'm very impressed 
by the fact that somebody's stepping up like you and giving education for free? What's been the acceptance of your show, your your YouTube channel? Honestly, I'm actually very surprised. When I created this, I wanted to, my thought was if I could help at least one person, I'm successful. And a lot of people have been looking at this and they've been very accepting. They've been coming back to me and they've been like, this method is really helpful. It's very different from what's out there and please make more videos. And I'm, I'm very, I'm astonished. I'm very humbled that people are taking a liking to this study strategy and it's working for them too. And what people don't understand is the amount of time that you have spent editing and, and putting the effort because I'm going to reveal a behind the scenes secret. Right now that the Dr. Shala and I are here just talking, there has been a lot of preparation and conversations preliminary to this, probably about an hour. First, he has invested quite a bit of time on rehearsing his material. And we're going to try to do a quick exercise and discuss a few topics of what he has to offer. So to begin, Dr. Shala, how would an international medical graduate approach the USMLE just to get going. Let's say I just graduated, I'm a Colombian doctor, I'm an Indian doctor or I'm Indian medical student and I know I wanna become a doctor in America because my uncle is a cardiology in New Jersey and I wanna be like him and I wanna take over his practice. What's the first thing I need to do? Well, before starting your preparation, I think the first thing anyone has to establish is their mindset. One should understand that the USMLE is a multi-step process, so you should be clear on the way you want to study. You can do some research on some Reddit, Facebook, and other forums and other read other experiences to establish a solid plan. And I do believe that many people, once they establish a solid plan, they start doubting themselves and they start changing it midway. You should not do this and stick to your own plan. Remember, this is a long process, so this isn't something that you can do on the side. This does require commitment and it is a lifestyle choice. So make a solid plan to allot at least five hours every day at the start to begin your preparation. And I guess the last thing I could say is try to find a group of people who are also studying for step and study with them. It's a lot easier to maintain your goals when you do it as a part of a group than by yourself. And just to piggyback into what you just said, since I was in high school, Dr. Shala, my personal choice of studying was never really study groups. I, I think uh, sometimes people get really distracted, but the very strict methodological approach that you have, I think is amazing. So many people are asking right now, okay, I want to implement all that goodness of plan of study that you have to offer. You're saying that it might take me up to five hours a day. What do you think it would be the timeline, the commitment, the amount of energy and effort required to get this accomplished? I know that for many IMGs, and, and let me explain myself a little here, we're working. We're probably doctors in Colombia. We're work, doctors in Argentina. We're doctors in Canada. And we decided to go to America and we're going to take these steps. What kind of time, what kind of resources, what kind of availability of freedom you need to have to sit down and dedicate yourself? Well, first off, like I do understand that most people are working and this can be hard to study on the side, but I have seen people who have done it and it is definitely possible. For me, I've seen many people through this process and I've seen that this can take anywhere from six months to up to a year and a half, depending on the time you can allot to it. And I'd say I've divided the study phase into three different phases. And these phases can be used differently for different people. And we'll get more into that later in this. But again, I would say an average time that a person should put into this is around five hours per day. If you can go up to 10 hours, and if you're not working, that's preferable. But minimum of five hours a day is required for this exam. 
So listeners, you heard it from Dr. Chala. This is not an hour sit-down process. You have to meet, commit five hours a day as a minimum, up to 10 hours a day if you have dedicated a special block of time that you're just going to lock yourself in your house and dedicate yourself to this. And you, you just said that you have three study phases. Yes. Go ahead and tell us more about that. So before I get into that, I do want to talk about how I came about these study phases. Please. According to evidence-based study tips and research, you require at least three or more readings to properly grasp a certain topic. The first round is to learn the concepts and to understand the information. The second round involves memorizing the information. Most people fall into the trap that learning the concepts is enough. However, retaining information doesn't come easy, and therefore you should allot an entire round just to memorize. Lastly, after reading many topics, it's easy to get confused. So your third round should be focused on compartmentalizing the information and fine-tune the small bits of information that you don't know. So based on these principles, I've created a study strategy that divides the preparation into three different phases, namely the consolidation phase, the revision phase, and the precision phase. So the consolidation phase is where you take all the information from different resources and consolidate it into one place. If you've ever noticed, if you had an exam the next day on a certain chapter, having all that information summarized into one page makes it much more simpler to go through and make sure that you have better recall for the next day. Using this principle, in this phase, you take various gold standard resources and take all the information and consolidate it into one place, in this case, the first date. This helps set you up for the next phase, which focuses on revising through and memorizing the information in a systemic fashion. Next, you have your revision phase. In this phase, by now, you should have understood all the information and put all the information in one place. So you focus on revising and memorizing the information. This tries to help you create a mind map and develop links between all the information that you've already learned. And lastly, it's the precision phase where you just fine tune the information, focus on the topics that you're weak at and prepare yourself for the exam. Awesome. So three phases, and, and you're going to see them very well delineated on his uh, uh, diagrams, on his videos, but they're number one, consolidation, second one, revision, and third one, precision. Go ahead. So, so in the consolidation phase, so you should use your gold standard resources, and these are your first aid and your UWorld. Now, these two resources itself should be enough for you to get a competitive score. However, since first aid is a very summarized and concise version of all the necessary concepts, every line can be expanded into paragraphs or even pages. Therefore, you need some additional resources to help you understand them. For this, you can use the Boards and Beyond videos or Kaplan videos. I've seen that these two videos have helped most people along their USMLE journey. These are basically explanation videos that helps you understand the concepts in first aid. After this, you can use your UWorld to build the question strategy and learn how to take that theory that you've learned and apply it into a clinical setting. Since USMLE is a highly integrative and focuses on clinical application, IMG should not only focus on the theory, but they should also learn how to apply the theory. So taking this into effect, in the consolidation phase, a person should read first aid and use Boards and Beyond or Kaplan to understand it. And right after that, you should take that information and do UWorld. Now, if I take an example, let's say we do cardiology. I'll read first aid for cardiology. I'll watch the Boards and Beyond videos for cardiology. And immediately I do UWorld and learn how to apply that information. Also, 
Remember that UWorld is a learning tool, the first round, not an assessment tool. It contains a lot of information that's not present in first aid, and you want to be sure to take all this information and put it into your first aid. After this, you do your revision phase. And this is the phase where you've learned all your information and you focus on doing two blocks of UWorld every day. And this is really important because it helps you focus on question strategy. You can also use additional resources in this phase like Sketchy Medical, Golgian, Audio, 100 Cases by Conrad Fisher, and Anatomy Shelf Notes to help strengthen your information. And after you do your UWorld blocks every day, you want to read first aid and revise through your information. After this, this phase requires at least three to four readings of first aid until you have a good grasp of all the information. Your last month would be your precision phase where you take all your information and you fine tune it and focus on the weak areas and the most memorization heavy areas and prepare yourself for the exam. This was amazing. So we have spoken very clearly on the consolidation, the revision and the precision, and we expanded onto those. Dr. Shala, many of our listeners that have picked up this material for the very first time in their lives to use it as a resource, don't know anything about the tools that are available out there. And that's when it gets confusing to me after I've been out 20 years. The resources that I used 20 years ago are very different to resources that you're using today on 2020. They might be different in 2021 or 2025, but which ones are the resources that you think are the go-to for UIMGs or any medical grad that wants to study for the steps? With the increased number of resources out there, I understand that it can be intimidating to try and figure out how to prepare for the USMLEs. First, I want to say that your main resources comes down to two things, first aid and UWorld. Everything else are accessories for you to understand these two resources, but people can hit 240s, 250s, and even higher competitive scores just with these two resources. You can use additional resources to help you understand these resources. And I think Boards and Beyond is the best one for this. And I honestly believe these three resources are enough for you to get a good score. I understand that different people have different weaknesses. And that's where you go into other resources just to focus on your weaknesses. But these three resources are your golden resources. They're the meat and potatoes of where to study from. Exactly. And how much money you think expecting to spend on getting these initial strong core resources? So it definitely does depend on how much time you have to put into studying every single day because you're going to have to take subscription plans and taking it up to a six-month subscription plan can cost different and taking it up to a one-year subscription plan can cost differently. But definitely this is a very expensive process to Keep in mind that you're going to have to spend a little bit of money. Your step one itself can be up to $1,000 to write. Your resources itself, I do believe, can be anywhere from $1,000 to $3,000 right there, depending on how fast you write it. In summary, it's extremely important to get an idea of what is the amount of money required so we, we know how to prepare. Dr. Shala, this is a lot to take on for a young guy. I remember when I did it, I was about 21, 22 years old. And... When you're this young, it's really hard to stay motivated throughout this process. What are a few tips of advice that you can speak on or expand regarding motivation and the discipline to get it accomplished? I understand that this test can take anywhere from six to 12 months for an IMG. So it is really important for you to make an active effort in keeping yourself motivated throughout the test. 
So I'd like to start off by saying you should try to find tiny bits of motivation every single day. For me, I try to find a source of motivation to help me push through the day every single day. Let it be watching motivational videos, let it be looking at friends who are studying well, or sometimes I just set set up a reward for myself at the end of each day. I try to actively find a way to keep myself engaged and motivated. Try not to set huge goals. Some people try to set an impossible goal for themselves and say stuff like, I'm going to finish a whole system today. While it may be great to set high standards, it's easy to get discouraged. Set multiple small goals so you can constantly feel accomplished and use that positive reinforcement to get yourself through that day. And also, I definitely do want to say, don't hesitate to take any breaks. When I was preparing, I felt bad or hesitated to take breaks, but understand that you are human and it's better to take breaks and come back with a fresh mindset. Let it be taking small breaks throughout the day or even every week. And if you find yourself taking more, it's definitely okay. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And, and when I was looking through your videos, you have a very nice personal schedule. You say to start early in the morning, And, you know, you start like at 7 a.m. and you kind of divide it in a very structured way. Give me an idea of what is a day or what was a day for you like when you uh, were studying for USMLE Step 1, for example. So I'm going to give two days, one of how my day would go in the consolidation phase and one of how my day would go in the revision phase. Perfect. So in the consolidation phase... Let's say I studied one system for a week. The first two, three days, I'd study boards and beyond and first aid. So I'd wake up early in the morning. I personally believe that you are the most productive early in the morning without getting any stimulus to distract you and get your mind off of your topic. So I'd wake up immediately, study for two to three hours and take an hour break and then study for another three hours. And I believe it's important to set breaks periodically throughout the day because it will help you engage into your material much more. And that's about it. And then the second half of this phase, I'd spend time on UWorld. So I'd wake up, I'd do one block of UWorld and that should take anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. And each block consists of 40 questions. In the consolidation phase, you are trying to learn everything and take notes. So I used to take notes into my first aid and each question can take anywhere up to 10 to 15 minutes. That's why going through one block of UWorld could take anywhere from four to six hours in your consolidation phase. But in my revision phase, it's completely different. You're not taking notes. You're against the clock. You do two blocks of UWorld every single day spend not more than three hours to revise them by three o'clock. And from three to nine, I sit and study first aid and try to brush up through my theory. That's how I'd spend every single day studying. I saw a picture, a little snapshot in one of your videos on the channel that you had a very nice, drawn, sketched, colorful, beautiful, worked uh, USMLE Step 1 first aid book. That was yours. I suspect you were making notes and little colorful descriptions or that's how you use it as a reference? So, yes, that was my book, but that was one of the pages with less information on it. (laughs) But yeah, that's how I would want people to write in their first aid. I want them to take their information and write it next to the topics in first aid. And uh, I wanted to say, Dr. Charlotte, this, this is amazing. And I thought I was a disciplined person. Once I saw your videos and how knowledgeable you're about this, you blow my mind. The structure that you have to get this accomplished is what I want people to realize. Some people 
give up even before they sit down and give it a shot. My cousin tried it, but I don't think she had a, a discipline, a study process. It took me a lot of hours. In my days, it was a uh, paper and pencil and we had barely any internet resources so now that you talk about internet resources i want to just pitch in and help me with the second part the first date is one of the oldest books it's produced and printed by mcgraw hill and it's one of the most amazing resources and every year it keeps getting better and better and better better quality of paper better printouts better mnemonics Everything looks better and better every every year and you want to have the most up-to-date book you don't want to study with a book that is two or three years old correct? Yeah. And one thing I do want to say about first aid is it is a book that's created by the information collected from students who just wrote their USMLEs. So understand that everything you see in first aid is something that was tested in the actual exam. So now you can understand how volatile that entire textbook is and how it's important to know everything in that book. That's the Bible. I call it the Bible. I would sleep under the pillow with it. I'm hoping that osmosis will help it to kind of permeate into my brain. And many people talk to me about your world. This is new for me as a 20-year-old grad on this. What is your world, doctor? So... UWorld is an electronic question bank that's present online and it simulates the entire exam experience. Again, most of the information that's present on UWorld is exactly how you'd see the exam would be in the actual test. The information is very important and I think it's the best resource for you to learn how to apply your knowledge. As an IMG, we focused mostly on theory instead of clinical application and therefore the UWorld helped provide the bridge for me to learn how to apply my knowledge. And I think that's going to really help you. I know that you might be starting for step one, but it's really going to start making sense for step two, correct? That yeah. little bridge of knowledge. Because uh, follow me on this one, as an, a Spanish-speaking person, and I think we had this discussion, I spoke in Spanish, and follow me on this one, I was reading in English, translated into English, to understand in English, to think in Spanish, to produce content in my brain in Spanish, to write it on English. That took me so long. It would take me forever on, uh, on the QBank. And the fact that m most of our listeners are English speakers, everybody has to realize that before you get anything else done, to learn how to speak and read English and be remarkably comfortable in taking the testing because there is a lot of reading implied into this process. And me in Colombia, the preparation for basic sciences was extremely weak. So dealing with this large amount of information that sometimes I never really cover was remarkably overwhelming. And it was almost like going to medical school all over again. But I think I became a better doctor after I put so many hours and the effort to get it done. Honestly, it's very impressive. I know many people where English wasn't even their first language. And it's, it's hard enough for us who have our medical education in English. But for those who don't have it in English to learn the entire language and write the step one, it's remarkable. I'm going to take a step back. You said this is a marathon, not a race and, or a sprint. One of my podcast guests, Dr. Fernay Pais almost, he said that he lost motivation somewhere in between the gap in between a step one and a step two. And he came and shadowed me here and he did an observation. And at the end, he said something really meaningful. I said, Dr. Osorio, thank you. You have given me the motivation to take on onto the next step. What was the things that kept you motivated? I know you like basketball. I know you like to play music. How do you work your brain around all this madness? It has a lot to do with the things that I said before. Don't set huge goals. Don't be afraid to take breaks. But I actually have something that I like to follow. And 
I use this to maintain my mental sanity and it's called delusional optimism. It's constantly telling yourself that things are going to be okay even when a part of you doesn't really believe it. Because this is a clinical application-based test that's focused on cognitive thinking and systemic integration and you need to be in the right mental state to be able to take this exam. There are many people I know that really focus on the what-ifs. What if I don't get a good score? What if I don't match into residency? I don't, try not to focus on the what-ifs. A certain level of stress is definitely good, but not to a level where it mentally blocks you. I believe that you should do the work that you're supposed to do, and whatever should happen will follow. And also remember that people have matched with low scores before, so even though it's an uphill battle, it's very possible. Perfect. So, Dr. Shala, I saw that during your episodes, there is one of them in which you speak about the most common mistakes that people do through this process. And, and you kind of really broadly touch up on those. Can you go over uh, what could be the most common mistakes that people shall avoid while studying for the steps? Well, so there are a few things that I want to say on this topic. First, I want to say stick to your study schedule. Many people create a beautiful study. They start studying and they meet two to three other people that are studying other resources and they start panicking and they start changing their entire schedule up. Believe in your schedule and after you're done with it, maybe they are looking to changing it. Another mistake that I'd like to emphasize is don't wait on starting UWorld and First Date especially first aid. And I made this mistake myself. To be honest, I did a whole round of Kaplan before starting my first aid. And although it's great and it's still the same information, first aid has all the information that's directed straight for your USMLEs. So you really want to start using that book as early as possible. Even if you use Kaplan, Boards and Beyond, half your first aid in front of you and just have that topic open in front of you. I definitely think that this is really important. Awesome. And lastly, I'd want to say that don't take a lazy round of UWorld. Every time you do UWorld, you want to be actively thinking. And I personally made the same mistake too. I didn't take proper notes of it. I didn't write it into my first aid properly. I thought I was learning everything. But you do have to realize that after two months, you're probably not going to remember everything that you learned and you're going to have to refer back to your notes. So even though your first phase might take a long time, make sure you make proper notes of your world into first aid amazing amazing well guys you heard it from dr shala now i know you have episodes that you you speak about letters of recommendations personal statements and resume for us some imgs we have never really written a personal statement and when i saw myself putting something together like this i didn't really know what to do Do you use any specific resources or how do you do the process of writing your personal statement? What was the strategy that you put together to make a beautiful personal statement? I'm going to take a step back and just talk yes. about what a personal statement is before yes. we get into it. A personal statement is a page-long essay where you articulate who you are and why you're interested in a particular specialty. Of course, you have your USMLE scores, which is an objective measure for a program director to assess you by, but they don't have anything subjective. They want to see what kind of a person you are. And this is where your personal statement comes into play. And in this personal statement, You give yourself a big opportunity to set yourself apart from other applicants by highlighting anything that's not well represented in your CV. So 
A good personal statement should include the following things. It should include what draws you to a specialty, the skills or qualities that will help you succeed during residency. It should talk about your long-term plans, what you wish to accomplish, and what attracts you to a particular program. So I've done some extensive research on this because I also did not have any prior experience to writing my personal statement. And there are a few tips that I'd like to put out there when someone writes their personal statement. I'd like to say, start in advance, start two to three months before you're supposed to submit it and just create something called a vomit draft. So in your personal statement, you're going to be talking about a lot of experiences that pushed you towards the speciality that you're applying for. But it's hard to recollect all these experiences in one day. So I believe that for two months, you just try to sit down and try to write down any experience that you remember into a piece of paper in no particular order. And this is what I call the vomit draft. And after two months of adding to this paper, then you can sit and reorganize them. Now, one thing you should focus on is your opening hook should be engaging. You have to use an anecdote or a story that helped made you choose this speciality. For me, I chose internal medicine. So I talked about a case that was very dear to me and helped me choose internal medicine. Also, the biggest thing is you want to demonstrate change and growth over time. Now, when I say this, you have to show the program director the different experiences in your life that molded you into the person that you are today, why you like internal medicine, why you chose the medical profession, why you want to choose your future specialities. All this should be clear to the program director and they should have an idea of who you are at the end. Beautiful. So to summarize that, Dr. Shala has just said something that I just listened to a book. I'm personally working and trying to get better myself at public speaking. And, you know, one of the books that I'm reading on states the same thing. It's a vomit draft. Just put something together, you know, collect experiences over a period of two months and just randomly Put, write things down so you want to try to get them included sit down reorganize do they need to be included or not and for many of us that don't know what is an opening hook is like i heard that in the first statement of the personal statement you really want to make clear that the person gets connected towards why you want to go into the residency program and why you want to go into that specialty and the whole personal statement has to be a story that tells how you have grown as a person throughout the moment you know in your life and experiences that have make you who you are and why you chose to become this type of doctor in your case dr shala an internist correct yes anything else you want to say about ps's there is one more thing i actually do want to say after you're done making a draft of your personal statement don't hesitate to show it to an editor or your friends and because the feedback is very valuable and it will definitely help you improve your personal statement sometimes a personal statement might sound good to you but it's not who needs to like it it's the program director so don't be afraid to take feedback were you ever scared about the fact that you shoot your paper to someone and say what is this just and told you hey sit down and do it all over again this is awful Absolutely. And it has happened. I wrote my personal statement twice. Wow. And um, you think uh, it really stood out by the end after having put it together? Of course. The more work you put on it, the better it becomes. Just remember that. For me, it was the most anxiety creating because I didn't really know what it meant. But uh, thank you for going into that. Well, it's been a, a lot of goodness and information. I know that we have spoken about a resume 
And it's very different the way we, we write curriculum vitae or resume in Colombia or other parts of the country. But pretty much it doesn't matter what structure you have. You and I had spoken about this in preliminary conversations because the electronic residency application systems puts it together for you. And you pretty much divide it into three parts, right? personal information, work experiences, volunteering experience, and any research experience, right? Exactly. So this is very different from any other resume that any of us have written before, especially as IMGs. Work experience, volunteer experience, and research experience. These are the three that you should categorize all your experiences into. Well, let me touch on something. I know the USMLE step one is drastically changing, and it's going to be a pass-fail, and we all struggle with uh, the thought of scoring high. And I know that somewhere in between 194 is the cutout for a test that has about 280 questions. But uh, I think this year is the last people taking the step the old fashioned way. And now we're going to be all pass or fail. I know you made a video regarding the pass and fail assessment, the new assessment. Give us a, a quick 30 second thought process on how you feel about it. So people use their USMLE scores to stand out because IMGs are considered second preference over American grads. And while an American grad can get a lower score, an IMG would get a higher score to try to stand out amongst their American peers. But with this becoming a pass-fail system, this means that the whole approach is becoming more holistic. That means they're going to be taking a look at all your other aspects of your resume. So try to focus more from a young age on things that you can add into your resume and make sure they can fall under one of these three subheadings, your work experience, your volunteer experience, and your research experience. I do believe that as an IMG, we're not trained to work on our resume from a young age, but try to look for more research opportunities, volunteer experiences, or just do more away rotations. And this will definitely help your application in the long run. I know that you personally spent uh, nine months of research in West Virginia. And I, you did a lot of uh, cardiology-based type of research because that's what you're looking into into the future. How difficult was for you to kind of get that accomplished? Well, I do want to say that as an IMG, we have no exposure to research during our medical school. So it was definitely different for me to get a research position in West Virginia University. But there's one thing I do want to highlight that every research project is different. So there's nothing you can actually do to prepare yourself. Just keep an open mind and you're going to learn as you go. All your professors know that you haven't had any exposure to research and they're going to tell you exactly what to do. And the more research projects you do, the better you're going to get at it. Because I used to fear research as an IMG, but I started to realize that the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yes, I never got comfortable with it. And that's why I never did any research. And that's probably why I didn't match into emergency medicine back to back for four times. I didn't match until the fourth time around. So it is not, not an easy thing to do. Dr. Shala, I know that about a third of my listeners are from India. You are the classic example of what is represented in America as the perfect doctor. You know, somebody from India, very well-spoken, extremely well-trained. I know that uh, Indian doctors are extremely proficient. And our attorney, Mr. Siskin, said that this country should have more freedom of allowing more Indian doctors to come in because you guys have a cap, the ones that are not citizens of the United States. But what is the secret sauce of India to make such a large amount of good doctors that are so ethical and so hardworking people? Honestly, 
it's the culture just focuses so much on your hard work ethic it kind of teaches you from a young age that your hard work will always pay off and you are who you are when you work so hard also in india they really focus a lot on theory so i feel like every indian that i know has a really good grasp of their theory and it that's why i do believe that most indian doctors do become great physicians in the future dr shall i know that you are going to come into the united states with probably no medical student loans Yes, I am very privileged that I am able to start my residency without any student loans and start saving from the get-go. Yeah, that's another whole thing, saving guys. Remember that, don't go too crazy with your salary. We think that probably 45,000, 52,000. What's going to be your salary as a PUY1? It will be 55,000. Oh, that's really good. Really good. I remember I was making like 35 back in my days. I'm going to get more personal. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that are going to, okay. I'm going to try to break you down here and get some tears out of you or some smiles or some sadness. What has been so far in this lengthy career that you have uh, been working on one of the most, the happiest moments of your medical career this far throughout this process? Well, I'm going to talk about one of these experiences that I had and it was my happiest it was the most rewarding it was the most craziest experience that I've ever had. You have something called autos, auto rickshaws in India, which are like three-wheeler quick transportation like mini cabs. And once we were I was rotating in a rural area around 45 kilometers away from the city and a lady comes in an auto and she's in labor and the head already crowned and me and my co-intern and the nurses we help and our my superiors of course we delivered this child and it was one of the craziest experiences that i've ever had i'll never forget that day wonderful and i and i bet you probably have had some sad moments and some things that you really have kind of lost a sleep over what would that be Of course, I mean with this profession you keep treating more sick people and you know that these some people have some terminal diseases that they have done nothing to deserve and pretty much each and every single one of these patients will always be dear to me because because it's really hard to see them go through what they have to when they did nothing to deserve it. How proud is your family of you? Oh, they've always been proud and supportive even when I've messed up in life to be honest. I think you're an amazing dude. Uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. Getting to know you now here face to face in virtual internet community, it's been really nice to kind of put a name to the face and a face to the name or you call it whatever. And despite the fact that we haven't met, I think the fact that you're doing this altruistic non-for-profit educational uh, platform for people is great. And my job in the podcast is to bring the experts, to bring the people that are putting a message out there that are motivational and that are really ex inspired not only for what they have done they want other people to be successful at it and i think that's why you guys you are here dr shala and i really want to thank you from the bottom of your heart for for having done this because you cannot imagine how many people you're impacting and you impacted me and i've been doing this for 20 years and and i just want this community to grow i want everybody from benefiting from what you have to say and just come up with a plan right What would you tell that ex person that will pick up the phone tomorrow and say I want to I want to go to Dr. Shala give him a shout out and what would you tell him what would be the pep talk of 30 seconds to get them all amped up and let's get going and let's do it guys you can make it happen 
Motivation is key. It's all about your hard work ethic. Anyone can do anything. This is a profession where you just have to sit and study. Anybody can do it. Don't doubt yourself. Doesn't matter how slow or fast you are, you can do this. Everyone does, and it's a very attainable goal. That's what I would like to say. Awesome. One last topic. One more brush up. How was the interviewing process for you? I know you you obviously did well and, and that was challenging and probably nerve-wracking and you went broke and spent thousands and thousands of dollars and traveled throughout the United States. What was it like? Just briefly, give us a couple minutes of what it was, the suffering and the process for you. Well, the interview is quite nerve-wracking before you go there. But once you actually get there, you realize that everyone's open and everyone's all very accommodating. Soon after the interviews, you start to realize that once you're there, you've already met the professional requirements to be there. So you don't need to worry about impressing anybody. All you need to do is be personable, be yourself, and show them that you're not going to cause any problems and you're going to be a good fit for that program. Just be nice. Don't be too overconfident, but also do not undersell yourself. You are trying to sell yourself to the program and you don't want to be too humble and talk yourself down at any point. So you guys have seen it. You had it, you know, for the last hour and 50 minutes, we have had Dr. Abiram Chala. He is going to get really busy starting on Wednesday. July 1st is the day that in the United States, new interns coming to the U.S. hospitals and they're going to be dealing with one word, COVID. Are you ready? I am ready. This is a very special time to start residency. It's going to be hectic, but I'm excited. Dr. Shala, anything else you want to tell our foreign and international medical grads? Anybody from India or anybody special out there that is thinking about jumping into this bus? Just work hard and you'll get where you want to be. That's all I have to say. Awesome. So call to action. We need to visit his YouTube channel. And the most important thing, subscribe. The only way that we thrive, that we keep getting motivated is getting subscriptions, getting downloads. How do we get a hold of you, Dr. Shala? So if you have any questions, you can either comment on my videos, which is Dr. Chala, the YouTube channel, or you can add me on Instagram at dr.chala and just DM me there. And I've been answering everybody's questions and I can answer yours because I really want to help you guys succeed. Awesome. So visit Dr. Shala as his YouTube channel and his Instagram page. And remember, if you guys think that we deserve a five-star review, Leave us one. Remember, a one star doesn't help me. A five star really makes me go up the ranks. And I hope that you guys keep downloading because we beat the record for last month. We beat the record and we're reaching almost 9,000 downloads this far. So we are extremely excited. I'm going to be producing material for you guys. If you want me to tell you stories and bring people like Abiram, Dr. Shala, Thank you for being here. Thank you for spending this time of your life. And from the bottom of my heart, I wish you good luck. And I know that you will succeed. And I see you potentially being the chief resident of that program because you have the leadership skills and the communication skills and the language and the motivation to get it done. So thank you for being with me from the bottom of the heart. Dr. Osorio really appreciates everything that you do. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate your kind words and your initiative to help all these USMLE IMGs. Thank you very much for having me. God bless you. God bless you.